Hello and welcome to our latest instalment in our podcast series, It's the People Stupid. Today we're discussing diversity in work. When I was growing up, I was always told don't discuss politics or religion at work. Now, those of you who know me are pretty well aware that I don't necessarily abide by that rule. However, many business people do. And I think it's fair to say that in the past, organisations stayed away from taking a stance on anything political. With the emergence of social media and political issues reaching a global audience, it's become increasingly difficult for organisations not to involve themselves in political events. Also, younger generations are far more value-led in their employment choices and customers and employees alike look to businesses to take a stance, whether that's on the environment, Brexit or diversity. As such, and whilst recognising that many organisations did already value an effective DEI strategy, it's taken events of the past few years, and in particular the impact of the pandemic and the murder of George Floyd, for many organisations to recognise that it's time to take action to tackle inequality, whether that be about gender, race, religion, disability or socio-economic backgrounds. And to help us discuss this topic in greater detail, I'm absolutely delighted to introduce Dan Cohen, co-founder of Mixil, an AI-powered analytics platform for inclusion and diversity. Thank you for joining us, Dan. Hi, Anne. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. I guess... A good starting point really is to maybe go talk about what the term DEI actually stands for. What does it actually mean? What does the D, the E and the I mean? And yeah, what's it all about? Sure. Um, so I think the, uh, the, the, the DEI term has been uh, coined for quite a few years now. Um, diversity, equity, inclusion. But over the last few months, there's a, there's a B that's been added on to the end. So it's D-E-I-B now, and the B is for belonging. So <clears throat> the idea behind a, a, a good D-E-I-B strategy uh, in the workplace is ultimately an essential aspect of good people management. To reap the uh, benefits of uh, D-E-I-B, it's ultimately about creating a working environment uh, and working culture where all individuals can feel safe, have a sense of belonging, um, and ultimately are empowered to achieve their full potential. Okay. And I guess, as you say, the diversity equality has been around a long, long time. One of the things I wanted to pick up on was the equity, the equality. I think you know, most mm. of us are aware of Um, the equality and the needs from equal opportunities going back a very, very long time. And it was, I suppose, equality was the phrase or the the word that would have been badged on the E for a long time. It's now equity, which is uh, a change. So could we maybe go through what the differences of those two are and why that's shifted from equality to equity? Sure. So, yeah, it was it was it was equality for a while. Um, And I think as more and more businesses started to build and create more diverse workplaces, they ultimately saw that there's, you know, there's only a certain amount of resource that can go into these strategies. And there are certain individuals in a business who might need more resource than others, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where the equity part came in so that people get allocated uh, the correct amount of resource kind of for what they need. So what that maybe looks like in a business is, you know, certainly 
pay parity across the org, ideally a, a diverse executive team, like accessibility, if you will, for, for employees of all abilities, and maybe you know, fair and equal access to learning and development opportunities. And I guess I'm trying to put it into a simple phrase and uh, you've just helped me think of a, a, a picture maybe that would help someone. So effectively, equality would be that we're all allowed to get onto a bus, but equity is, you know, we're all allowed and able to get on the bus. So, for example, if someone had a disability and they weren't physically able to get on the bus, yes, they're given the opportunity to do so, but they can't, whereas equity is actually making sure they can also get onto the bus. That sounds like a good analogy to me. I might, I might steal that off you, Anthony. You are very welcome to right. steal it with, with <laughs> absolute pleasure, Dan. Um, and, and maybe looking at diversity first, why does diversity matter from a business point of view? And what's the benefits and how, how does having a diverse team actually help a business? Sure. sure. So um, I'll go into the sort of diversity piece first and then kind of maybe touch on why it's important. Um, so ultimately, it kind of refers to the range of both similarities and differences, uh, which each individual or employee kind of brings to the workplace. So that could be nationality, it could be race, um, age, gender identity, uh, sexual orientation, um, physical ability, and uh, amongst others. And the reason why this is ultimately important is because over the years, uh, certainly over the last five or six years, there's been uh, numerous studies that are out there um, from some very big consulting businesses like the McKinsey's and Harvard Business Review, People Management, who uh, have all published so many papers around the, the, the benefits, both from a financial and product, productive point of view for a business. So um, I think a couple of years ago, McKinsey came out and said that uh, businesses who are um, more diverse are 35% more likely to outperform their competitors. Um, and Harvard Business Review uh, have said that diverse companies are 70, 70 uh, percent more likely to capture new markets and there's there's plenty more uh, numbers and figures out there um, I personally kind of like to um, think about it as as people's difference different of uh, perspective um, famous author and, and the LinkedIn top voice Simon Sinek always talks about this how ultimately all you're doing is you're building a team of people um, with a different perspective on life, a different upbringing, different backgrounds, different education, living in different countries, different religions. And the more perspective that you can get and the wider that perspective, the better as a group or as a team to kind of overcome problems and challenges in the workplace. So it makes obvious, perfect sense uh, yeah. to me um, to build these teams out. So um, that's, that's kind of the key to this. And hopefully, I think that you know more and more businesses are, are paying attention to this and um, are working their recruitment and, and, and strategies accordingly to try and uh, build out these more diverse teams. And those numbers are absolutely staggering. So, thirty-five yeah. percent improvement and seventy percent greater opportunity in terms of opening new markets, and that's yeah. compelling enough for hopefully anyone to sit down and realise that this is not some i guess trendy political idea that everyone needs to get right on it's it makes sound commercial sense as well as 
obviously simply being the right thing to do isn't there's there's no question about that yeah absolutely right you know it's a it's a win-win-win um Mm. you're building more diverse teams you're you're giving more opportunity to underrepresented groups um the people in the business will uh hopefully outperform their rivals and so I guess the ones kind of making the decisions at the very top will, will kind of reap some of those benefits. Um, mm. And I'm sure we'll kind of get into some of the challenges around building uh, these diverse teams with the executive level that maybe, you know, aren't as diverse as they should mm. be. There's been numerous reports around that over the years as well. Yeah, I mean, what what would your observation or ideas be on how businesses go about increasing diversity? What are the sort of basics that you would look at if you were mm. advising or suggesting someone who's maybe looking at this for the first time? Yeah, I think look, I think there's you know there's plenty of experts um, out there that have been doing this um, way longer than I have, but um, ultimately, I think a lot of the challenge for, for businesses kind of lie in some of those uh, key or senior stakeholders in the business where they may not have the buy-in as to what they need. So, you know, having done this for a while now and and spent 10 years building out a very diverse team myself for for a big American tech business, um, unless the the drive and will and determination is kind of there with those senior executives, it's very difficult to kind of sell this this strategy bottom-up. It's much Mm. easier top-down, but a lot of businesses still, as we've seen, you know, certainly some of the larger kind of businesses, the FTSE companies out there, they're probably not as diverse as they should be with their senior executive team. Um, plenty of reports, and there was a report even about six weeks ago, you know, when you look at some of the um, the gender diversity um, for some of these very big companies, and, you know, unfortunately, it's still massively male-dominated. Mm. Um, and I think that kind of needs to change. But with regards to kind of looking at this, uh, I guess strategically, it's you know, um, there's a lot of businesses that are um, doing certain things around some of their marketing or how they're kind of looking to attract candidates, which um, and the odd advert here and there and a web page, for example. But um, you know, this is kind of a, a token move. They need to genuinely kind of understand that this is a long-term strategy for them. It might take a year, two, three, even four years to kind of build this out. And I think that you know the beginning of that is getting buy-in from the from the senior stakeholders, and then working with your um, HR and marketing teams to create a strategy that's going to ultimately increase the level of diversity for the candidates that are coming through these businesses um, to apply and genuinely want to work work for a business uh, who promote those DIB strategies. Um, we see a lot of, of people kind of getting into the top of the funnel. Um, they get through kind of certain interview stages, maybe don't make it all the way through to placement. Uh, but even some of those that do, um, great, you know, we've managed to get more diverse hires in, that's excellent. But how are we going to keep them? How are we going to retain them? And I think quite a few people kind of realise quite quickly that when they join an organisation, it's not what they thought it was with regards to the, the equity, the inclusion and the belonging piece, right? So. You can get many diverse hires in as you want, but unless you've got those ongoing strategies that, you know, HR, senior stakeholders, the whole business are bought into, um, I think it's very difficult to retain that, 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 that uh, those talent pools. And lastly on that is that, you know, there are some diverse talent pools out there with some unbelievable skill sets, which largely are being kind of ignored. Um, it's crazy. And I guess I 
couldn't agree more. It's that um, the executive team, the C-suite, the senior leadership teams of all businesses, they're you know, still hugely you know, white male dominated environments. It reminds me of uh, Paddy McCourt, who is the chief talent officer at Netflix, who um, I remember listening to one of her TED talks and it was referring to the fact that um, someone was boasting about, you know, we've now got 30% women on the board, which was this big fanfare. And it's, well, you know, when you've got 50%, you can come and talk to me about gender equality. But again, that's only scratching the surface. Um, yeah, the, the buy-in from the top is really important. But you also touched on something I think is really important that I wanted to let, go into. So that's segued very nicely is um, the recruitment piece alone is the start. But of course, businesses then need to retain people. And I guess that's where the inclusion and belonging piece comes in for you. We we talk a lot about diversity and equity and those ideas, but I think the inclusion and belonging piece is probably a bit harder. So could you talk to us a bit more about that? And uh, you know, how would a business that has been traditionally white male and wants to make this change go about trying to make sure that they then do retain this new diverse talent with a whole range of different abilities and skills and perspectives, how do they keep them in the business? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, a lady called Verna Myers actually said once that, um, who's a DO expert, said, uh, if you can think about it like this, that diversity is, is being invited to the party and inclusion is being asked to dance. Um, <laughs> like I just kind of said before, right? So you're bringing people in to the disco, but they're not dancing and enjoying themselves and having a good time right they're going to leave so mm. uh, I thought that's quite a good kind of uh, analogy but I think you know ultimately when you're kind of looking on at the inclusion side um, you know inclusion in the workplace means that employees feel welcome they feel uh, valued um, they're comfortable with the people they work with they're comfortable in the environment around them um, I guess some examples of that might be um, a sense of both physical and uh, psychological safety. Um, so that might be, you know, maybe uh, gender neutral restrooms or nursing rooms for new parents, for example, um, flexible work options, right? Where everyone's sort of got a hybrid model now, which is, which is great. And uh, many people kind of fall in love with that. Um, ERG groups, of course, um, which, you know, have absolutely kind of made a, a strong comeback, I guess, over the last few years. Um, things like celebrating diverse holidays or traditions, you know, as a as a team, um, mm. to to make those to make these individuals feel like they're part of of the business. Um, and then, for on on the belonging side, um, that's ultimately kind of employees actively wanting to bring their true selves to work mm. because they know. That it will be celebrated and, and admired. So, you know, potentially people, um, you know, uh, with, with different beliefs or um, uh, the LGBTQIA uh, plus community, um, and, and that's ultimately what uh, what organisations really should be striving for. So that might be stuff around, um, you know, peer to peer recognition, um, social opportunities to connect with colleagues. You know, and that's not just let's all just sort of get down the pub and, you know, sink 20 pints together. That is absolutely not uh, what you want in, in those diverse workplaces. You want um, activities and socials that everyone can get involved with. Maybe it's kind of more 
frequent check-ins between leaders uh, and employees as well to let them know that you know they are very much part of the team even though maybe they're different to others so again another kind of message that, that always is going to come from those top execs you know uh, and how that how that message filters down across the organization yeah, I think for me, one of the things I observe is that the inclusion piece, I think you're, you're right, there's a lot of businesses who are actively seeking to become a more diverse and a more equitable environment to work in and a better business as a result. The inclusion is often the hardest piece because it's about, you know, if you're in a big business, it's making sure everyone's voice is heard, isn't it? And it's not just heard because I think this is where that belonging tag's been added on, if you like, and uh, you obviously uh, caught me there with uh, the B being added onto the DEI, but but it's it's the the fact that your your actions demonstrate that you're fully committed to this. This to me is all about the and you know, we see it everywhere. This box ticking mentality of businesses thinking we need to show that we've got this, so we'll do the work to get the badge and we'll get the box tick, but we actually don't do anything about it. The real you know, the businesses that succeed on in this area are the ones who actually immerse themselves and really believe and commit to wanting to listen to all of those people in their business, whoever they are, whether in a small group or in a minority group or in a big part of the business, but they, they listen and they actually act on the information that they found from those people to create a, a more ho harmonious environment. It's about doing something um, that everyone's involved in and that they feel comfortable and safe contributing to that uh, that, that debate. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, thankfully, we've seen more and more businesses um, adding a, a DEIB expert into their HR teams, um, mm. someone to kind of like lead this charge. Um, that said, you know, that <clears throat> unfortunately is still kind of a, a form of tokenism for certain businesses, whereby seeing it as a bit of a tick box exercise. So, oh, you know, we, we pay our, our, our in-house DI expert, whatever, X amount per year, um, so we're doing the right thing you know and we've got gender neutral bathrooms so we're doing the right thing but you know it's a it's a constant push um this mm. and it's 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 a model actually that you know when i was when i was working at the big tech firm uh, a couple of years ago well uh, we would uh, we would work with some very big uh, investment banks big banks sort of neo banks uh, big law firms and um you know, I'd, I'd be on site of these businesses most days and you're kind of looking around some of the floors and the big buildings they work in and all these businesses are unbelievably diverse, right? Huge international conglomerates um, who uh, want to capture all the new markets. You know, we, we spoke about the stats at the beginning um, and it's the, it's the banks and the law firms that have kind of looked at this as a strategy and for years have been implementing it. They don't really kind of scream and shout about it. I think there's more work for them to do at the senior level, sure. Um, but also they're kind of keeping it slightly under the radar so they can keep the best diverse talent for themselves. Um, and, you know, if you're working in kind of one of those industries or markets and you're looking at these incumbents in these industries who are, who are have laid out these strategies for years and you're still not looking at it yourself, then, you know, you should you should just maybe do a bit of research jump online and see what's see what resources tools strategies everything's online for you right you haven't got a um you haven't got to sort of worry about finance information and you you know you pick something that's going to suit you that's going to suit your business your way of working and i think it's important to point out that there's you know it's always a difficult topic this to discuss right people feel awkward about it subconscious bias comes in and that's the same for everyone but the thing is to make sure that you're making an effort 
to try and improve those underrepresented groups for the good of your own business. And I think if you're doing that and you're making sure that you're investing enough resource to, towards it, it might take a long time, but you know, you'd look back three years from now um, and you'd hopefully see a much more sort of wider diverse group and to, to, to see that, you know, increased productivity, better results from these people with all their different viewpoints and perspectives um, to build these teams out. So, you know, it, it does make perfect sense. And all those huge, the biggest companies in the world, um, the, the Googles, the Twitters, the Metas, they've been doing this for years uh, mm. and they understand why and, and the resources. You know, I, I fully appreciate that sometimes there's um, there are certain kind of different geographical uh, challenges whereby in certain parts of the world, right, there, there's not going to be that many diverse individuals in certain towns, cities, countries, fine. Uh, but where they are, so certainly, you know, in the UK, London, Birmingham, Manchester, Leeds, you know, um, there's a, such a, amazing wide talent pools. Uh, you kind of wonder why people aren't, you know, widening their, um, their nets to try and sort of capture some of this wonderful talent out there. I guess, I mean, it's interesting because there's, in my head, there's always a few things. There's a just straight old fashioned bigots who uh, just want to bury their head in the sand and fight against anything that isn't what it used to be and just clinging on to some bizarre rose tinted view of, of what England is about, for example. But it's, you know, you're always going to get an opposition and people just branding it, you know, it's just a woke culture. And so I hate the, the labels and tags that people sort of put on things for no reason but you know in general the the real crux as you said is there's a lot of big businesses who have been doing this for a very long time who are very successful it works it makes sense it provides you with so much more um breadth in terms of capability in so many different ways and different perspectives that it's a a no-brainer so it, it is happening it is moving I, I guess i wanted to talk to you about what you in your experience would consider some of the biggest obstacles to implementing a good DEI strategy and actually making it work are what 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 are the things that you see as um, the main challenges that businesses have in making it work? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question, um, and I think that you know the, the answer will really be varied from business to business, industry to industry, and geography to geography as well. Um, you know, if you're you're kind of trying to build a a more diverse team in an area of the UK, let's say, where you know there aren't many diverse individuals. Mm. Then I totally understand that. But providing you're kind of representative, right, of your kind of local area or or, or, or where you are, um, I think that's you know a good sort of uh, place to to build. I think that um, there are unfortunately, um, as I keep alluding to, sorry, but you know this is the truth that there are probably too many senior stakeholders that have got the sort of viewpoints that you just sort of mentioned and run. Mm. Um, the good news now, I think that as the, you know, as the, as the Gen Zs and the millennials are coming through, um, I've got plenty of little cousins and, and godchildren and the like, all of whom kind of take a much more balanced and neutral view, it seems, of the world. Maybe that's due to the, the level of exposure they get to the social media platforms and, you know, see things maybe slightly differently to people that might be, my age, mid forties, maybe and above, mm. um, but I think that ultimately, you know, the, the key to this is is having that having that drive that that, that comes from the top and and then enabling the HR teams, the TA teams, the DIB teams um, to sort of be flexible a bit more, maybe with some of the budgets, right, and and some on the finance side, um, 
I've heard some some bad stories over the last few months that that seems to be you know one of the first things that might be going and when when times are tough internal recruiters the DIB team whatever which you know just kind of seems crazy right now considering that that is such a huge competitive advantage for these businesses um but I think that they're maybe they're just slightly fearful and they don't really kind of want to run the course of a three-year strategy um I think you know the, there are businesses out there um who work both in the recruitment industry and, and direct with corporate HR who offer the most wonderful kind of training programs, training, mentorship, coaching across all individuals, you know, for, for the clients that they work for. I think that, you know, I think hopefully most people kind of, you know, are open to our sort of diverse brothers and sisters, but I'm sure there's mm. some out there, again, from their own background and perspective who are slightly closed-minded on that as well. So I think really, you know, it's a combination of things. Um, seeing your buy-in, a good allocation of budget and resource. Um, if you're a larger business, an internal DIB expert. If you're a smaller business, maybe some coaching and mentoring, you know, regularly, maybe let's mm. say kind of three to six months. There's some amazing survey tech out there. You know, what we do here at Mixel, we have a, a, an AI-led platform that kind of provides a, a huge suite of, of custom uh, diversity data reports. And like in any business, right, if you're trying to implement something, you have to be strategic about it and you have to look at the data, especially when it comes to diversity, because there's so much subjective thinking and guesswork mm. with people's having all different manner of perspectives of what it should look like. Um, I think with, you know, with a good baseline of data for these businesses all to kind of use um, as a kind of skeleton across the whole org. Uh, to make sure that anything they're doing is being tracked and, and you can measure some of that change. Um, identify where the gaps are, you know, maybe across different teams or locations and try and plug them. So I think, mm. you know, there's a ton of tools out there and there's some truly wonderful people that I've met in the last kind of six months who who provide outstanding coaching. You know, it's not expensive, this stuff. Like, it should be absolutely, you know, mandatory for all these businesses to, to at least make sure that their staff are kind of educated and understand the why from some mm. of this stuff which i think people as you touched on before think oh you know it's just a sort of woke lefty whatever but it's really not <laughs> it's key it's absolutely key to success and it and it's strange you know being having having built these teams out myself personally i've absolutely or, or we as a team reap the rewards um and as i build out this new business now you know that's something that will be absolutely front and center in our minds as well to make sure that you know, we get three, four, five, ten staff that we have a wonderfully diverse team because I've seen it in action. I know yeah. it works. It's an absolutely proven methodology. Um, yet people think that it's kind of, you know, a virtual signaling tokenism movement. <laughs> you couldn't be more wrong. I mean, it's just yeah. it's crazy. Um, yeah. So, but, but, you know, I think I think we're, we're all learning this, right? Everyone's learning. And it's very difficult for certain people from certain backgrounds to kind of really look to adopt these ideals um but they should be open-minded to it they should be open to learn just educate you know it's a billion things online literally about it um and hopefully over the next few years we'll see more and more you know positive move toward towards this stuff yeah i guess as you know more old fossils like me and i know that's being age discriminatory uh well you know <laughs> get out because it's you know old white men running businesses is they will gradually be replaced i'm really optimistic in the same way as you my children have never and never do express any 
sort of bigotry or opinion on anything in that arena. They're just very relaxed about the world and they seem to be far more accepting of everything. And whether that's through, as you say, tech, it was actually interesting, not maybe a now discussion, but I was thinking that actually remote working as well is an easy uh, tool to use for uh, diversity because one of the things I wanted to, to touch on, as you know, it's close to my heart, is disability and uh, disability mm. discrimination is massive. And uh, I know it's not an, it's an area that's hard to capture data on as well because we and I've discussed that before. But mm. this whole you know, in a world where technology is so enabling, it does actually enable businesses and organisations a much better chance to be diverse because you don't have the same barriers all the time. As you said, if I was living, I'm not dramatically or deliberately picking on air, but if I was living on a remote Scottish island, it is highly likely to be predominantly white. Yeah. It's quite hard to recruit any local population for people who aren't. Um, yes, obviously, gen disability, gender, everything else, but you you know, you are restricted there, but technology would enable you if you're saying, well, actually, we can have people remotely, uh, we can we can feed into that uh, and really um, reap the rewards. I guess the crux to me is also that all of those businesses, their boards and their shareholders are looking at the bottom line and the executive are held responsible for that. And if businesses that are more diverse are reaping the rewards on the basis of those stats that you provided from the Harvard Business Review and from McKinsey, then clearly the driver will simply be, we have to do it, otherwise we die because if we don't keep up with the, the marketplace, it will overtake us. So I'm, I'm very positive. I think there's a very, I know there's a, very very long way to go and in my head i think you know sex discrimination is still rife but there's been a lot of advancement in that area race discrimination similarly um the, some of the more challenging ones i guess in terms of disability follow along and it can take a bit longer but there is definitely the movement in the right direction which i think is the encouraging thing for all of us that there is a, a clear momentum in the world of business and commerce that this is the the only way to go and uh, you better get on board with it yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's a movement as you as you touched on before. You know, I guess post George Floyd and post COVID, people working from home. I think that there's um, you know huge benefits for for those people who want to kind of have a hybrid model. Um, Elon Musk will obviously disagree with me, uh, which is <laughs> fine. Everyone's got their own ways of doing things, right? Um, <laughs> but I think that you know, as, as, as I touched on before, all this is is a massively long uh, strategy. Um, but I don't think that the sort of moving parts within that are that difficult to get right. Um, mm. I think you need to be flexible um, with, with, with the way you work this and kind of what suits you and your business and the people within your business. Mm. Um, and, you know, there are, you know, so many different diversity characteristics out there um, from age, as you say, you know, disability, um, different races, religions, um, sexuality that you know the more mix of of these individuals you can get the more perspective you're going to get right and i keep going back to that word there's that perspective that, that that's kind of just completely got it for me if you were to put in fact there's a there was a there was an interesting story actually um i can't forgive me i can't remember where, where i saw this now but it was actually volvo who um decided to uh bring a team of female engineers together um, to, to build a new car as a group and long story short but the sort of the, what, what they kind of created um, was something that was quite different maybe from the rest of the Volvo range right so it kind of lent around things like 
easy access and good storage and a big boot and things that are, you know a, a low boots so you can kind of get things in and out easier um, and one of the, the key things that they did actually because from the research that they, they, they did was they found that um, a lot of female drivers didn't like to have to undo the bonnet of their car you know it can be a bit fiddly sometimes whatever um, so they actually put the uh, they built the car and they actually put the um, the washer fluid cap right next to the petrol cap Right. So when you stop and you get petrol, you can also fill up your washer fluid as well. Right. So different things like this, like when you think about it, it actually makes perfect sense. Like, yeah. why isn't that already like that? Right. For everyone who wants to sort of get messy under the bonnet, where you can just fill the washer fluid up next to your petrol cap. So these are the kind of things, these are the kind of projects and the kind of, you know, the wider breadth of thinking uh, from the biggest companies in the world who, you know, able to kind of bring these people together um give them the the, the free range and and the flexibility to create and build something that's different all built out of a different perspective mm -hmm. um and that for me is kind of where i you know that, that's kind of where i where i live at the moment um and as i said before you know building these teams out myself um we had a wonderful mix of of, of different races religions um disability we had um uh, neurodiverse, sorry, completely neurodiverse individuals who I brought on. And to be honest with you, you know, when I when I brought some of these guys on, there were some of the other team were kind of, you know, a little bit standoffish and maybe questioning my my idea around this. But I, I wanted to bring in people with a different perspective. And you know, once they kind of bedded in over the, like, the first sort of two or three months, they were the absolute stars of the show. And really we wouldn't have seen any of the, of the success that we saw without these these guys in the team so you know having lived it and now i'm i'm, I'm working in it as well uh, i kind of feel like i'm a little bit obsessed with this stuff and it's yeah, absolutely good. brilliant and it's brilliant to see the success stories out there and see how well some companies are doing and certainly within you know the, the recruitment world you know which i know you've been in for a long time i've been in for quite a, a while myself those businesses that are looking at this and those businesses that are either offering both a recruitment and consultancy service in one, or understand that to work with some of the larger businesses out there, they need more diverse talent pools, they need a more diverse uh, talent pipeline, they're gonna all reap the, reap the benefits of this. Um, and those mm. that aren't looking at it, they're not gonna be considered. Um, mm. So, you know, if you do this stuff and you put a strategy in place, it, it literally, there's no losers here. Everyone mm. is a winner. So it's weird to understand those that aren't thinking about it. Because yeah, it, absolutely. And I was reading something yesterday regarding uh, employees with ADHD. And it was fascinating. I love the phrase um, culture eat strategy for breakfast, which it does every single day of the week. But there was a lovely yeah. similar parallel in there, which basically said um, uh, employees with ADHD eat chaos for breakfast so if you're in a business that has lots of chaos this is an area that they absolutely thrive in because or some of them do because of the, depending on how how their particular characteristics play out but um yeah i think it's it is a win-win and i think from you know just spending a short time with you it's pretty obvious that if if you and haven't helped convince people of the value of diversity in teams and inclusivity and belonging then there's an issue somewhere that maybe we won't be able to resolve but one final wrap up dan that might be useful is you know what the position is for an employer in terms of their minimum legal responsibilities around this area nowadays because um everything is always framed in some sort of legal terms so what what are employers required to do in the area of deib um well, you know, you've got the 
you've got the, uh, the the Equality Act of 2010 um, that kind of talks about, you know, the nine protected characteristics um, that you're not allowed to kind of share data and kind of talk about that stuff. Uh, obviously, that's good. Um, I think, uh, was it maybe last year or the year before last, um, most businesses over, with over 250 employees have to um, publish some of their PENDA, uh, excuse me, some of their um, gender pay gap um, numbers yes. and results. Um, I've actually been uh, talking to a, a few kind of political consultancies out there who are, are close to government to sort of see what else is coming down the pipeline. Not much from now, right? Mm. But they think that that will, you know, change. That the, the more this movement goes on, and the more companies who kind of adopt these strategies, that hopefully at some point, you know, there'll be a, a legislative response to some of this, um, and rightly so. And but also, it, you know, in the same breath, it's very difficult sometimes to kind of quantify, um, to, to kind of quantify some of these ideals around, you know, target setting or goals or quotas, like, you know talking about people in quotas just sounds really shitty, doesn't it? I don't know if that's a really mm. right term, but, um, you know, because what could be true for a, 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 a business based in East London might not be the same as you say in uh, a, an, an island, a Scottish island north of the border, for example, right? So um, I don't think there's going to kind of be anything too concrete. Mm. I just do hope that maybe there's, um, you know, some kind of provision on this to, um, just to kind of lead businesses down this path and show them kind of what the right thing to do is here um, yeah. and the benefits it will bring, but not too much because it's a really difficult thing to kind of get right, right? Yeah. It's very difficult for a business though. You need to be 10% diverse. And as I say, like so much of it is based on geographies and location and stuff that um, that might not be feasible. So let's see what the, uh, what the, the Tory government kind of come up with and, <laughs> you know, it might not be great knowing them, but we'll have to wait and see, I guess. Absolutely. Well, I think you know, the, the Equality Acts and discrimination legislation is overarching in every area of life. So that does provide that sort of blanket, I guess. But I, 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 I think along with many things um, post-Brexit, there's been very little legislative legislative change because mm. um, the Parliament and the legislature have been full of preparing for the exit of Brexit and what they're going to have to do in large swathes of uh, legal statute and I guess this is just one that's on the list and when they get down to it we'll see whether there are any changes made but I think whatever the legal situation for any business uh, I'm absolutely convinced more than ever having spent a, a short while with you Dan just of businesses really understanding and hopefully fully understanding the true benefits not just from a, a logical personal sensible point of view but there's a real commercial benefit to this as well in terms of businesses so hopefully if that can help convince more businesses to really embark on a, a true strategy of DEIB inclusivity then uh, everyone's going to win so thank you hugely for sharing some of your insights I obviously look forward to Mixil's development and growth over the next few months and years and beyond and uh, I hope you've enjoyed being uh, my uh, guest today thank you Thanks very much. It was an absolute pleasure talking with you, Anthony. Appreciate the invite on. Thank you. Brilliant. Thanks, Deb. <laughs>